So hello everyone, this is Chetan here from The House Monk uh, and uh, we recently launched our Monk Realty show and we are back with our second episode and today we have uh, someone special from uh, Berlin. Uh, today we have Luca, the co-founder and CEO of Habit. Uh, it's an upcoming co-living com uh, company based out of Berlin. And uh, So Luca, why don't you uh, give an introduction about your company and about you to our viewers? Sure, thank you very much, uh, Chitan, for this invitation. I'm glad to be one of the first guests on the podcast. Listen, uh, Habit is a co-living company started about uh, three years ago now um, yeah. in Berlin. Um, and we are now over hundreds of properties uh, between Germany, Spain, Portugal and Italy. Uh, our focus is uh, definitely on Europe um, and now increasingly on Southern Europe. Um, we will, we're aiming to reach around a thousand uh, units by the end of the year. Oh, um, that's great. And yes, that's, that's yeah. it. Oh, that, that's great actually. So I think, uh, I mean, once you guys reach a uh, thousand, then I think you'll be one of the biggest uh, co-living co companies based out of Europe. Uh, that's good. I think uh, we're, we're already quite well positioned in Europe and especially oh, okay. in some regions like Southern Europe where there's not uh, much activity. And so okay. the idea is to, uh, our goal is definitely to, to be the leader, uh, at least the leading co-living startup, uh, you know, in oh, Europe. Okay. Uh, not counting the, the companies that have been out there for, for 10 years or so. Well, all the best wishes from uh, the House Monk team. So uh, why don't you tell a bit about uh, the community of Habit, what kind of uh, people who are living in uh, the Habit facilities? Sure, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we started the company really with the, the vision of creating a community of like-minded people and uh, most importantly to provide a consistent experience to uh, young people that are traveling from one place to another. Um, we know that this is the, the, the major trends, you know, with the remote work, people staying in a job one or two years and then moving. And therefore, we wanted to cater mostly to the to these kind of young professionals. So uh, our split currently of our of our, tea, of our customers is about eighty five percent professionals, it's just fifteen percent students, um, oh, okay. and they would be mostly like graduate students, so above uh, you know twenty four, twenty five years old. Oh, okay. um, we have roughly a 60, 60 40 percent split between uh, um, male and female, uh, so okay. slightly more male male audience. Um, okay. And uh, we are, uh, you know, basically 100% international. So I think uh, our recent, oh. most recent data says that um, uh, here in Berlin, for example, we have only 5% of customers coming from Germany, oh. uh, which is okay. which is really crazy. Um, so we really cater to the people coming from uh, abroad. We have a lot of uh, U.S. customers. Oh, Canadian okay. customers, also of course uh, Indian customers, Chinese customers um, that oh. really need um, sort of a, a landing community, you know, yeah, in, yeah, into the true. into the new city, yeah. and that's what we try to provide. So, is this uh, the same across all the uh, across the entire region of Europe, where only uh, people coming from abroad are uh, staying in the co-living facilities? Uh, yes, I would say so. I mean, uh, for example, in Spain, our ratio between, uh, you know, countries is slightly different. So, for example, we have more people coming from South America, which is our, the, the biggest region in terms of uh, um, of our clients in, in Spain. Uh, but overall, yes, I think that it's, it's also about the kind of brand you want to create, you know, and the kind of uh, community you want to create. We've always been, um, you know, from the get-go, uh, very international. Our team 
uh, right now we are like 15 people in the company and there's uh, oh. nine nationalities so we are like you know inherently international company and we really oh. want to cater to these international people rather than uh, to local people but that doesn't mean you know that you can build a brand based on for example um, a local brand you know for maybe local people or people transferring from a, from a different city within the same country so how is the response when it comes to the landlords are they willing to work with co-living operators yes so i mean of course as always uh, you know at the beginning it was a little bit uh, tougher uh, you know when uh, when you, when we started uh, that was like three years ago so the co-living trend was still really at the very very uh, beginning okay. mm-hmm. but now of course there's uh, there's much more um, awareness you know with all the reports uh, that have come out recently you know about co-living and so on so uh, okay. it's much easier to enter into the conversation and um, okay. of course we are just now you know reaping the benefits of starting uh, three years ago right so okay. um, definitely the conversation has changed and there's still some resistance but um, I think that you now it's uh, much more open you know landlords are much more open compared to okay. three years ago. So we're entering, I would say, probably the, the golden era of co-living is probably oh. starting 2020 to 2023, I'd say. Hmm. That's probably yeah. the next three years is going to be pretty, uh, pretty good. So, but uh, if, if you would, I, I would want you to throw some more light on why there has been resistance when it comes to uh, landlords not working with co-living operators. So first of all, I mean, we always have uh, one uh, strong uh, position, which is that the, you know, the co-living um, trend or the co-living uh, product, both on the supply side, so towards the landlord, but also towards the customers, your real competitor is not a, another co-living company. It's really just the traditional real estate, oh, right? Okay. So, uh, so the traditional rental product. So, you know, when, when the market, like um, it has been in Europe, it's a very, very appealing market. Okay. Um, so it's a very um, the power uh, is very focused on the on the supply side. So the landlord has a lot of power because there's a lot of demand. Okay. So they have a very strong proposition to just uh, continue where they're inertia to just do things uh, like they've always done, and that's okay. always you know breaking the kind of uh, that kind of um, mental uh, barrier you know uh, from them. Um, and it took it took time, and it's taking time, of course, but uh, it's it's happening. And I think that it's the, the value proposition in Europe is not as much uh, focused on you know finding tenants and occupancy, uh, but rather on differentiation. For example, the portfolio, or mm-hmm. um, you know adding yeah just a new line of business or increasing okay. yields. Because I know, for example, that in Singapore, um, um, the, the the value proposition is a lot about uh, finding demand okay. and having a lot of. Uh, high occupancy because yes, demand yes. there is the issue. So the dynamics are slightly different here and therefore um, you know, entering at the beginning was a, was a little bit tough. Yeah, even in India, uh, occupancy level is uh, what they look at actually. Uh, community aspect becomes the second part. But yes, even the industry in India is actually moving towards uh, the community aspect and being a differentiator uh, compared to other businesses. So yeah. uh, also, so I want to understand when you are looking for a property, uh, are there any set criterias you keep aside that this property needs to have these criterias? Compared to maybe other companies, you know, like uh, maybe these uh, larger companies like the collective that build, uh, you know, some building from scratch. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. usually work with existing uh, properties, like we don't do, you know, new build um, at least seven done for now. Um, so uh, by doing that, of course, we do have some uh, restrictions, but we have to be a bit more flexible, you know, than, uh, for example, these other companies. So, um, of course, we have some uh, preferred areas in the city okay. and most importantly, areas that we know can provide 
good enough returns for the investor as well as for us. For okay. example, you know, super prime areas work better for tourism, you know, in, in major yeah. capitals compared to compared to co-living. So, I would say that our preferred um, areas are probably uh, you know B area, right? So the second layer in the city where you know the, there is less tourists, more uh, the young professionals, you know, more like the the, the real um, you know belt of the city. Um, so that would be like one one criteria in terms of like the shape um, of the of the property. We have started also, you know, um, uh, by getting larger apartments within, uh, you know, a, a bigger building or a bigger apartment complex, okay. uh, and we're now switch, uh, switching to much more, uh, you know, full building operations. So the, our last deals have all been like full building operations, um, around 25 uh, units um, oh. per per building. Oh, um, so that's uh, that's basically our, our sweet spot, um, and we want to continue to you know focus on that. So um, in the future, we're you know in, in negotiations and discussions for multiple um, full building, you know, sort of second layer of the city, and um, where you know about twenty five to fifty uh, units per, per per building. Probably okay. Yeah, that actually because uh, finding in the heart of the city becomes. Uh, your facility will become more towards uh, tourists who are coming and going and that will not help you uh, finding people who want to stay for a longer period and as a co-living I think having a longer period stay model will be better. Yeah and uh, actually there is also at least in Europe there is actually a pretty strong uh, regulatory um, issue as well right so most uh, residential buildings cannot be rented below 30 days Oh, um, so basically, okay. by by, ta- by taking a residential property in the center of the city, you're kind of in this between where you can't really use it for um, uh, for tourism, but still the price that you have to create is so high that it would just make sense for somebody to stay short term. Um, so that's why uh, it's uh, you know for the co-living, um, it's just much better you know to to access the second layer of the city. That's what that's what we think. So I, I completely understand that every day is a firefighting scenario for you as a co-living uh, co-founder. Uh, so to help you uh, grow and manage your business, what kind of tools do you use on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, sure. So I mean, we have uh, we've made a lot of investment in the technology, uh, you know, layer that mm-hmm. is uh, helping us to to manage the whole business. And okay. um, so we have developed uh, sort of an, an internal uh, system uh, that follows the customer from the moment they apply. And on, on, on our website and um, throughout the moving process, uh, the support process, the checking, the checkout, uh, and of course the payment as well. So oh, everything yeah. now is handled by the system um, that has you know helped us tremendously. Not only you know on the operation side, but uh, as well, for example, on the sales side, making sure you know that one uh, person or two people can handle as many customers as possible without lowering the quality of the interaction. Um, so our, our idea is, of course, to continue to invest in this um, this technology layer, and uh, the next step for sure will be um, having a mobile app so that customers can uh, apply, book, pay, uh, ask for support directly from from the mobile without ever ever using even a laptop. Though. So we do have this software running now only on uh, um, on the web. So of course, can still be accessed, uh, you know, by uh, on the web by the mobile, but we want to make it, um, you know, into a native uh, app where people okay. can really, you know, use it on an everyday basis. I think I should ask my uh, sales team to get in touch with you. So <laughs> probably yeah. we can help you there. So uh, now I, I just saw that you guys have raised uh, close to around 2.9 million in terms of funding. So what are the future mm-hmm. plans based on that? 
Yeah, so I mean, actually, we have raised uh, 3.5 million euros, so it's oh. about uh, four million dollars. Oh. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I mean, with, with this, you know, with this uh, cash, we're aiming to, you know, basically uh, deliver on what I told you um, at the very beginning of this interview. So we have now, you know, uh, close to around 500 uh, units, and we're, uh, you know, probably doubling by the end of the year. So, uh, you know, really focusing on getting to a thousand. We actually don't plan to 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 open uh, any new countries or cities because we already uh, fairly you know expanded within the southern European region and Germany, okay. uh, and so that's basically our goal for 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 this year. So continue to focus on technology and just deliver on the 1,000 room goal, which okay. you know it would be within the next within the first uh, three and a half years of the company would be a fantastic goal to reach. So uh, it's been almost uh, three years that you have been running Habat. So now. I would want some insight which will be helpful for our viewers in other regions of the world. Of course, considering Europe as one region, have you gained any insight that which is pretty different, which you haven't, uh, which you would know for sure that this wouldn't be there in other regions of the globe? I mean, I think that one one, one uh, sort of insight, or you know, um, uh, certainly something that we have gathered that others might not gather is that we are. As you said, international almost from the get-go. So um, we have multiple regions, we have multiple languages spoken, and so on. Um, and uh, what definitely what we know is that with the brand that we're creating, with the product that we're creating, um, there is way less differences that uh, you might think. So okay. um, at least you know we are targeting this kind of uh, layer of the of the society in Europe that it's pretty international. Um, and so, the, for example, we don't have a German-speaking uh, sales person like to oh. talk to our customers, oh. uh, but we do have like you know more than 250 units uh, in in Germany, for example. Oh. Um, and that's the, these same people. Then they are selling to Spain. They're going to sell to Italy and to Portugal. So, uh, it's the, the the insight from my side is that if you you know if you build a company you know from the get-go that is international and that uh, you know, focuses on that in okay. these regions in these top cities then you can truly uh, uh, sort of scale, you know, without having to have an excessive localization and so on. Um, and it's m much less local than what people would think. That would be oh. my, my insight. Great. Uh, so, uh, so let's say, what were the some things you assumed were proven wrong uh, after uh, being in the business for three years now? I would say that the biggest, uh, the biggest probably thing that uh, we've noticed is that um, so we start with the idea of you know creating this you know full co-living buildings always uh, you know um, 25 30 40 people all in the same sort of area you know sharing all kind of resources you know very similar to what the student dorm would look like yeah, yeah. Um, but as we but as we evolved we start as we said we, we, we started acquiring properties that were like more looking like shared apartments and we okay. sort of created this this product that is, uh, you know, uh, basically just shared apartments, you know, and uh, oh. uh, which is like three, four bedrooms uh, suites, you know, and okay. then we can have also the entire building. Uh, yeah. But um, instead of being, you know, an entire building with sort of 20 people, one kitchen is okay. entire building with 20 people, five kitchens, you know, divided by okay. uh, four, every four people. Okay. And we really noticed that actually people, especially coming into, you know, after 25 years old, they really like uh, to have this sort of intimacy. Even you know, okay. an apartment with like two, three people, um, okay. more, two, more, three, three people, and 
that's something that we it, it kind of went against our initial idea that people really want to share everything and like very yeah. community focused and so on. We just think that depending on the age group, depending on the, also the pricing um, that you that you target, people might want a little bit more privacy. So it's really like your the mix of your product is uh, basically a mix between how much community you want and how much privacy you want. You know, okay. and therefore, right now we have three different products. We have a, a co-living product, which is what we all know, which yeah. we would say it's like 100% community, 0% uh, privacy. Yeah. Then we have a shared apartment product, which is say 75% community, 25% privacy. And then we have a studio product where you have one person with a private bathroom and private kitchen uh, oh. within the context of, you know, more, more studio apartments, maybe some shared amenities on the ground floor. And okay. that would, we would say it's like 75% private, 25% community, you know, and oh, okay. in this way, you really can target depending on who that person is. Not only that, but you can also follow the customer. So it might start, you know, 22 first job into the co-living mm-hmm. product because, you know, they, they want to meet new people. They want to have a, a community in the new city. Uh, great. Then, you know, after a couple of years, they might get, a, a, you know, the first raise, first promotion at work. So they want to, but they want to have a little bit more privacy. They're tired of being with 10, 15 people. Yeah. Therefore, they move on to, for example, uh, a shared apartment product. And then say that by the time they're 27, 28, they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, they get a nice uh, promotion at work. They want to have something more private. We can move them into the studio product where they can be uh, with more privacy. And this is really like sort of creating a product that follows the customer journey uh, throughout, you know, the first the five to ten years uh, of their professional career. Yeah, that's actually good because uh, uh, right now, even I'm at an age where I would like to have the community aspect, but I need some privacy of my own. So. Yeah. So I actually have moved on to a place where I can share the space with people, but it should be not more than three, four people, that's all. So I think, yeah, that's a good model that uh, has come up. So now coming down to our final question, which is uh, the co-living operators in Europe, what are the challenges they are facing as a whole industry and how is it going to be in the next coming years? I think that one one challenge that we are facing every day or that we we will continue to face is uh, definitely regulation. So I think, you know, the um, uh, regulation, especially in Germany, but also in other cities, uh, also in, for example, in, in, in Spain and so on, like every city has different regulations and they mostly most of the most of the tough uh, stuff is uh, on the Airbnb short term um, sort of uh, side. but. It is sort of uh, there is this kind of there are the kind of rumors that they will expand let's say to to co-living and there have been already a couple of um, sort of uh, trials or a couple of uh, um, announcements let's say from some some politicians that they want to tackle sure. this uh, sort of raising rents and so on um, because of this uh, co-living uh, pro- uh, product uh, okay. so that's something that definitely we will have to we will have to face. Yeah. So thank you, Luca. Now we are moving to something which we have called the fun and buzz round, uh, where we'll be asking you for uh, uh, questions, uh, personal questions, and we need you to answer them really fast. Uh, so the first question is, what is the funniest incident that has happened in any of your co-living facility? Uh, like one of the customer feedback was, please uh, inform us about uh, what uh, kind of devices we have in the, in the, in the apartment. Because uh, we, uh, I just found out we have a dishwasher after one month. <laughs> so that, that was pretty funny. Okay, so now the second question is, if not 
co-living what you would have been doing I mean, look. I, before before starting Habit, I was uh, working at Dropbox, where I was one of the first European employees. So oh. definitely, uh, probably a career in the tech, sort of the, the business side of the, of technology. That's uh, that would be my natural sort of uh, fallback position. So uh, I don't know if I would uh, if I would be a founder or within you know a technology like SaaS product or, or something like that. Or that's definitely one thing. Or the other alternative is. Uh, my, my second passion, which is the the food and restaurant industry, so oh, uh, you might see me behind behind the stoves at some, at some point in my future. Oh, would love to see that. Uh, okay, going on to the third question. So, if not in Europe, where you would have been running your uh, co-living brand? Yeah, I mean, I think num- my number one target to, uh, place, and definitely something that we would want to expand to with uh, with Habit, is uh, Southeast Asia. So I personally lived in uh, I lived in 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 China and Hong Kong uh, for almost a year in my past. So I'm pretty familiar with uh, with Southeast Asia. I was actually in Bangkok just a couple of weeks ago, um, and I think it's a very attractive market. I think the 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 market really needs that product. Um, and being familiar with the market and uh, having a pretty strong network there definitely would be uh, the second place after Europe where I would feel the most uh, at ease to start a business and, have, and seeing it succeed. That's great. That's great. Uh, so the final question is, uh, what got you into co-living? Yeah, that's a funny. So I will tell you a funny story. So uh, when I first actually moved to moved to China, I like I was working, you know, my first internship and really struggling to find an apartment because there's, you know, there's no Google Maps. You know, you really you go to the apartment viewings and the hygienic level was still very low, very low. It was almost you know ten years ago now. So. Uh, okay. Definitely, you know, it was different times uh, than they are now in Shanghai, and um, it was just struggling. You know, it was really tough because every day having to find an apartment, you know, in this very complex, uh, all the information being Chinese and so on. So yeah, yeah, I really struggled yeah. until, and then, then, then I went to uh, one of the agents and I was like, "Listen, I'm really sorry, but I have to stop you here. We already spent so much time without finding anything. Just bring me to the most." Um, sort of uh, Western-looking uh, place that you can you can find for me. And uh, while visiting one of the properties, I, I I met one guy. Then he said, "Hey, I'm actually moving out of an apartment with other ten, um, uh, you know, uh, expats oh. um, because I want to learn Chinese. So I want to get into I want to get into the more uh, of the sort of Chinese local, uh, you know, environment to learn, learn the language." And I was like, "Okay." Just stop there. Sign me up. You know, I just, I just, I'll take your place. So I just go visit that apartment. Then it was just one American guy that booked a full floor of a skyscraper, like ten oh, rooms, okay. and okay. so sort of two apartments, put them together. And oh. then he was also renting out, you know, couches, mattresses on the ground. So every single day in in that apartment, there was like ten to fifteen, twenty people sleeping. And they were all, you know, expats coming from, you know, uh, Japan, China, India, uh, US, and so on. And every single one of them was uh, incredibly, you know, motivated doing uh, internships or, uh, you know, creative people and so on. And wow. the community that was created there was truly maybe one of my, like, I, I really had the best time of my life. And I really thought if it wasn't for this uh, physical space where people, you know, could come together, yeah. I would have never had that, that experience, you know. And um, I know friends of mine that stayed in the same city, in Shanghai, at the same time, and had dramatically different experiences. Oh. 
So when I left, I really started to think, how can we replicate this at scale? How can I know that if I go to uh, Mumbai, I know that I will still have that experience. I know that I will still have that that community. Um, and you know, it, that was uh, like 2011, 2012. So there was no co-living yet, no company whatsoever. And then after like two or three years, um, uh, I think Common was the, maybe the first uh, yeah. company in the U.S. coming out. True, true. And, and and the word and the and the word, you know, after the co-working, uh, they started uh, floating co-living, right? And then so I started thinking about it. Like, oh, that's actually what I thought. You know, that's it. Yeah. it, it it's taking a shape. And so, um, and so, like having myself, as I said, traveled uh, and worked across the world, I really needed the, this product. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I saw that it was actually a thing with, uh, you know, investment coming in uh, and BC interested and so on, that I thought, okay, it's uh, really the right time, you know, to, to start cool. this kind of business and try to to build what I personally enjoyed, but without you know, any structure or brand behind. Uh, most of the co-living founders, I think everyone has uh, faced or every person in their life has faced this issue of not finding a good place to stay. And that's what yeah. is bringing them towards co-living. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Luca, for uh, coming on to the show and sharing your thoughts about our industry. And uh, to all our viewers, we would be back next week with another guest and with some more insights. Till then, see you. Subscribe to our channel and do watch out. Yeah.